Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. This episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast is brought to you by my patrons on Patreon. Patreon is a way for me to receive regular donations from listeners whenever I release a new episode. And with the help of these generous donors, I've been able to pay for much of the expenses, hosting, and travel costs that accrue in the production of this podcast. If you would like to support the podcast as a patron, then head over to patreon.com forward slash aerospace. There are multiple levels of support, but anything from $1 an episode is highly appreciated. Thank you for your support. This episode is also sponsored by StressEpoch.com, which is an online hub for you if you're interested in aerospace stress engineering. StressEpoch.com provides world-class engineering services and online courses on the stress analysis of aircraft structures, as well as a free ebook and blog. No matter if you're a junior or senior structural analyst, StressEpoch.com provides you with the skills and know-how to become a champion in your workplace. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Wonder what that racket was? Well, it's the sound of a linear friction welding machine. If you're anything like me, then you've never heard of friction welding before. But that is going to change with this masterclass on friction welding featuring Bertrand Flippo from the Welding Institute in Cambridge, UK. TWI Global has a long history of innovation in welding research, having been established as the British Welding Research Association in 1946. TWI is a world leader in research on friction welding and has been at the forefront of many modern friction welding processes. Briefly put, friction welding is a joining technique that does not melt the parts to be joined. Instead, two components are rubbed together to create heat through friction, and high pressure is then applied to squeeze the two pieces together. During this process, the material plastically deforms and the high pressure causes the components to be fused together. Advantages of the process are fast joining times, typically on the order of a few seconds, relatively small heat-affected zones, and because friction welding techniques are melt-free, the material's microstructure can be maintained. This episode is very much of a masterclass in friction welding. I personally learned a ton during the recording of this episode, and Bertrand and his colleagues were very gracious to introduce me to the ins and outs of friction welding. In this episode, you will learn about the differences between different friction welding techniques, the main advantages of friction welding and the challenges to keep in mind, some of the aerospace applications where friction welding is a game changer, and much, much more. So without further ado, please enjoy this highly educational episode with TWI's Bertrand Flippo. Bert, welcome to the podcast. Hello. So Bert, before we are currently sitting here at the Welding Institute, and before we get into everything, all the amazing um, friction welding research and the, and the work that you guys are doing here. Before we get into that, I'd just like to ask you, you know, um, how did you get into engineering and uh, how has your career evolved since uh, to where you are today? My parents used to tell me that when I was very young, I could take things apart um, that they couldn't. Um, and they were always amazed by how 
um, I was able to dismantle things and possibly not always put them back together. And beside that, I always had a passion about aviation and how to make something fly, really. So um, uh, naturally, I oriented my studies along these themes. And um, this is how I discovered about linear friction welding. I've been a bit of salmon about linear friction welding. We're going to call that LFW from now. That's okay, which is... Absolutely. Um, and uh, I've been going upstream the technology, starting by working at Rolls-Royce, uh, looking at the production of welded assemblies and the introduction of new products. I then worked for ACB um, in France and that's an LFW equipment manufacturer. So here I looked at the aspect of machine and tooling and also the integration of the process onto the machine. And um, it's been now eight years I've been working at TWI looking at LFW activities. Um, looking at the research of the physical phenomenon, the process development, looking at new materials to weld, and also the manufacturing development um, of for new applications, and technology transfer and training as well. Great. So you just mentioned TWI, which is short for the Welding Institute. Um, so could you tell me a little bit uh, about TWI. So what is it that TWI does? What is it that they specialize in? Yes, you're right. TWI used to be called the Welding Institute. Now we've, uh, we've got a trade name, which is TWI, um, because it's not just about welding. It's, it's a lot more than that. We've got about 900 staff, maybe more than 900 staff now, uh, whose aim is to give impartial advices, technical advices on all aspects involving joining. We're looking at welding, bonding and coating on one stream of activity, material science on the second stream, and the third stream is about structural integrity, life assessment and testing. Okay, so, so no, now knowing what TWI specializes in, um, what industries uh, do you particularly work in or what partners in which industries do you work with? Well, this is a tough one. Um, we work with a lot of industries. Um, the main ones are aerospace, defense and space, oil and gas and power generation. So that's, you know, it could be nuclear or gas turbines. We also have a lot of activities with automotive, rail and marine application, construction of bridges, wind turbines, uh, medical and sensor. And we also work uh, with standards and certification bodies to make sure that all the standards are being, you know, up to date. And the type of work we do ranges from general research uh, where we collaborate with universities and for government research bodies to confidential R&D where all of the IP being generated within a project belongs to the person who'd ordered for it. Um, we also develop technical information for the benefit of the TWI member. Um, we look at technology transfers and we look at training and qualifications. So you can see there's a lot going on there. It, it's, it's activities for 900 people, really. Um, and the great thing about TWIs is how it works. Uh, as I hinted just right now, there is, there is actually no shareholders. Um, it's all about being a member of TWI. It's a bit like a golf club where each of the 700 counting um, participating TWI member companies steer and define TWI activities. Um, some 
of the industry figures that TWI have as a member lead the research board. Uh, we have even more important people who are elected to lead the TWI Council. And this is how our impartiality is inherently guaranteed, thanks to that membership and that leadership from the industry. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very unique um, way of doing both business and research, the kind of TWI uh, organizational structure. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I, actually, when I was walking around earlier, um, you, your colleague showed me a lot of the different um, areas you know that you're working with, with so as you rightly pointed out it used to be once the welding institute but now you do non-destructive testing and all these other manufacturing uh, processes as well so that you really have a very comprehensive organization here but um, i would like to specifically focus now you know on the linear friction side of things where you are um, a world expert so first of all um, what is friction welding well let's go back a bit and look at the uh, two groups that form welding processes. First, you have, you, you have the fusion welding processes where usually a molten bridge is actually created to join two solid metals together. And then you have the welding by deformation, which is basically looking at the flow of a material under pressure, time and temperature. And uh, the deformation processes are achieved in solid state, so without melting. You know, there's fewer, and they're not that well widespread, but this is, this is the two categories. So you've got fusion and deformation. And solid state welding looks at interatomic bond between two material, which is the natural attraction of atoms together. And uh, this happens under intimate contact, for example, for when two metals are, you know, pressed together below the melting point. So in theory, all ductile materials could be cold pressure welded if time and temperature were no objects. Um, but this could lead into excessive welding pressures. And this is where heating improves ductility, the use of lower pressures and the reduction of welding times. There are actually eight solid state processes. Um, the ones that are using high pressure and basically no heat input are cold pressure welding, ultrasonic welding, electric magnetic pulse welding, explosive welding, which is here the highest amount of pressure in the least amount of time. And on the other end of the scale, you've got high heat input and little amount of pressure with diffusion bonding, which has a quite high heat input and wells over a long time, which also has an effect on the microstructure. In the middle, you find forge welding, which is one of the simplest methods of joining metals together because it was like used since the ancient time with fire and wool and a hammer and a lot of angry people. <laughs> and then you have flash butt welding, which is the conduction of electricity to create heat at the weld joint, which you combine then with pressure to create a joint. And well, the last one is friction welding, where materials are rubbed together to create heat. And the pressure moves the hot material to find a more solid material, and rub it again, and you have there a continuously stable process that allows to create a joint, usually of high quality. Okay, great. So let me just try to imagine that 
um, that friction welding process a little bit more. So you're saying that you have two metals and you're rubbing them together at some frequency that creates heat and then a specific material plastifies, but it does not melt as in a classic welding process. And then basically due to the rubbing movement, that plastic material moves away. And so the previous harder material that's beneath that actually now moves onto the onto the friction line. Is that how it works? That's exactly it. You got it. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> this is brilliant. So yes, this, this is exactly how it works. And there are, there are basically three ways of doing this. The first one is called rotary friction welding, which big, works a bit like a big lathe, if you want, where you have a tailstock that you would press onto the rotating component. And this is like basically trying to stop breaking the uh, rotating component and this is how you generate heat um, and and the other one is uh, linear friction welding which is working with the same principle of you rubbing your hands to get them warm in winter where you rub your two hands together and you press them and you can feel your hands getting warm well this is the same process with higher frequencies and a lot more pressure and then there is friction stir welding, um, which is using a tool to plunge in between two materials. And the movement, the transversal movement of the tool is actually creating the frictional heat. And the advantages of this, this uh, technology is that you can actually move it in an infinite direction um, as long as there is enough room on your material, really. Um, TWI has been quite key in pioneering these processes. Uh, rotary friction welding was invented at the Patton Institute in Kiev uh, by a researcher called Vil, who's, who's the grandfather of all welding processes. Um, and then TWI visited Kiev and took the ID back to Western Europe. That was the early 60s, you know. Linear friction welding came about the early 1980s and a few researchers tried to, you know, weld using modified testing machines. Um, but here, TWI actually participated in the design and uh, commandeered the first, actually, uh, the first in industrial linear friction welding machine that we still have in our building uh, to Black's industry, which is now uh, a KUKA, part of KUKA. And, and then friction stir welding was invented by TWI in the early 1990s um, and we were actually the patent keeper and the patent has recently expired and we have been able to see a boom in the usage of uh, friction stir welding. So I th um, previously you showed me a component which was basically, uh, it's, it was a round uh, component, long and circular and I would have thought, okay, if you want to join those pieces together you would use rotary um, friction welding just because the pieces are round and you can spin that up quite nicely. But then you pointed out a very good point about the particular characteristics of these manufacturing techniques and why actually linear friction welding allows you to make components of higher quality. So could you explain to our listeners what the, the main fundamental difference is between, uh, between the rotary and the linear uh, friction welding processes. Um, so the part you're talking about is a bolt, a bolt made out of nickel superalloy for the oil and gas industry. And the particularity of uh, this, this, uh, well, the way we tackled this problem is that we looked at what was needed by the industry. So 
the American Petroleum Institute has standards which are used across the globe and they have a grain size requirement. So we started from there. We said if we would like to manufacture this boat using linear friction welding, and I'll explain why in a minute, we need first to make sure that the material we end up with is abiding to that API standard. So we went into looking at the quality of the grain microstructure using different solid state processes. Rotary friction welding was the first one that we thought about because it's a round component essentially. And then we looked at the quality of the grains and they were too big even before we actually processed the well using a post-well heat treatment. And that's because we had to wait for the heat to gravitate to the center of the bar where there is basically no reciprocal velocity because as we know there is no speed in the center of the bar um, and that loitering allowed the grain to change quite widely around the weld area and it couldn't be used so we then looked at linear friction welding which has a frictional plane so all of the surface area would be moved at once and this is why we selected this process to weld a round bar, because then we could recrystallize the grains quite quickly, and they would be way smaller than the API, which allowed us to play about with post-well heat treatment and find something that would bring back all of the parent material properties and aspect of microstructure that is required by the API, and therefore we could use that weld. But why, why, why weld a bolt? This is where it gets interesting. Well, at the moment, um, we understand that if you would like to manufacture a very high quality bolt to apply to subsea operations, it, it, can, it can be either forged or extruded from a solid bar. So critical applications are extruding bolts out of a solid bar because of the uh, composition and the residual stresses that you may not find in that solid bar and that you would get into a forged component. Um, and manufacturing from a solid bar is extremely expensive. You throw away half of your material, and we're talking here about nickel superalloy, so it is a material which is expensive, and you also have increased manufacturing time. So here what we're trying to do is actually make bolts available quicker to the industry, so shorter lead times, by actually welding the head hexagonal head of the bolt onto the Scholich shaft. This way you reduce the material usage and you reduce the lead time. Now it may be a humble bolt but maybe a joint is actually 40 of them. So waiting for 40 bolts to actually progress into the manufacture of your oil rig could be penalizing in terms of efficiency and you know introduction to the market. If we can help reducing this, then I think there's a lot of gains to be found. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of the other advantages of, of uh, fr friction welding. The first one that comes to mind is that um, a lot of the times when, we're, when you have a metal manufacturer, they spend a lot of time trying to get the crystal structure just right. You, you want it, you know, maybe the grains elongated in a specific direction, and then someone has two components they need to be fit together you can't bolt them you need to you can't fasten them together you need to weld them together and now that basically means that typically you would have to melt the two materials fuse them together and then as they 
as they harden, as they cool, they recrystallize in a completely different way. And you no longer have your nice crystal structure that you had in your, in your billet. So how does um, friction welding get around this? Most engineering materials can be welded. We, we touch base about nickel alloy. Uh, the, the, the favorite material for you know, friction welding is titanium, but we have very strong successes for steels and complex aluminium, simple aluminiums as well, and copper. So hard to weld materials. And the reason why we're successful is because we do not melt the material. So in the worst case, for me the worst case, which is aluminiums, um, the quality of an aluminium alloy is depending, is depending on the alloying elements that are in there. And these alloying elements pin the microstructure of the aluminium and stops it from deforming. And this is why you get such high properties compared to pure aluminium uh, for the 7000 aluminium series, for example. Um, now, melting an aluminium removes all of these pinning elements at the joint uh, location. And this is why friction welding can help. Because we do not melt, the pinning elements stay there. They are still present. The, the grains can be refined, the microstructure can be slightly changed, but it's such on an infinitely small area of the component that the rest of the microstructure catches up in terms of elongation, in terms of deformation. I mean, we're talking here about a well plane that can be as thin as one millimeter. So it is quite thin, you know. And again, all the elements are in there, so we get maybe 85%, 95% of the parent material, if we do it right, or in some cases even 100% uh, with the right treatment and the right welding process. Mm -hmm. And is the friction welding process only limited to materials of the same type, say two different types of aluminium alloys, or could also take copper and weld it to steel or something like that? Is that also possible? Yes, it can be possible. Welding of dissimilar material is something that we do quite often for linear friction welding. Um, there are complexities in welding dissimilar materials together. First of all, they have to be compatible with heat. Uh, some materials have started to melt at the temperature which the other material softens. So we have to manage that. And some materials are naturally compatible so they will create a naturally stable element which we call an intermetallic and the intermetallic is usually brittle so we want to avoid them because then the joint actually can fail early we want to preserve the complex microstructure that we have in both material and the way to do this is by actually inserting an interlayer which is a third body um, that actually shields the two elements and stop them from actually uh, meeting with each other. So we would use an interlayer which could be rare earth such as zirconium, tantalum, niobium for example or it could be a naturally stable element such as aluminium or possibly nickel depending on the requirement of the joint. Okay great. So let's get into some of the the airspace uh, applications. So out in your courtyard you have an, an aircraft there that has a wing skin with stringers attached and the stringers aren't fastened they aren't bolted on um, so tell me about how this uh, wing was manufactured and and how it's possible that the uh, the stringers don't need fasteners to keep them on the wing skin 
So the aircraft you've seen outside is a, a prototype of the Eclipse 500 jet. Um, actually, this was a gift from Eclipse. It is the first flying prototype. And we helped them um, making this aircraft lighter by integrating these stringers into the wing skin, as you just said. And we did that using friction stir welding, where we took a, a, a Z um, stringer profile and actually applied a friction stir weld all along the profile into the wing skin and actually creating a stringed, an integrally stringed wing skin this way and then applied it onto the aircraft so there is no rivets which means no extra weight from the rivets, no extra drag from the rivets and uh, the component is uh, more solidly strung because of the continuous drawing along the stringers and uh, yeah, it's it's a performance component. Yeah, it's an absolutely fascinating aircraft. Yeah, that's that's out there. The other one that um, really baffled me was the machine that you have downstairs, um, and I forget precisely what the manufacturing process is called, um, but it's I think refill spot welding, where you basically you can join almost if you think about two sheets of metal, two thin sheets of metal, and rather than bolting them together you almost create invisible bolts by just kind of fusing the material together in little spots. Can you talk about this technology? Yeah, absolutely. This is called friction stir spot welding. And the, the unit we have is a refill friction stir spot welding. Most, I mean, both processes work the same, um, where basically we actually clamp two sheets of metal uh, within an anvil, well, two anvils if you want, and the middle of the top anvil has two rotating components, a, um, a bar in the middle, an annulus, um, or a tube in between the anvil and the bar, and they are very, very close to each other. Uh, the, the, um, the, the, the whole system is about 10 millimeter diameter, and uh, they are all rotating in one direction, but as they rotate and heat the top surface of the material, the annulus, actually it could be either the annulus or the bar, plunge in, while the other retracts and there is a movement of material as the bar plunges in, the annulus retracts, or as the annulus plunges in, the bar retracts and actually makes space for the material there. And when we have actually stirred locally these two materials, we actually equilibrate by actually leveling the bar and the annulus to flush to the top surface and that leaves us with a stirred spot if you want that is as good as a rivet right without the weight of the rivet without the presence of the rivet yeah okay so moving away from you know removing um, rivets. Um, another application that I've uh, I've seen downstairs is the the titanium blisks. C could you talk a little bit about how you're using friction welding um, on these titanium blisks? Yes. So the the, the blisk is fascinating. First of all, um, what is a blisk? A blisk is a bladed disc. It's a compressor item which we found in uh, turbine jet engines and it's in the compressor stages usually and it's here to actually uh, keep the engine lightweight and performant at the same time. Um, 
So by actually integrating the blades onto the compressor desk, you can actually shape the root of the blade differently. You can optimize the root of the blade. You can avoid having that dovetail area, which is added mass and possibly having air leaks flowing back. You can actually uh, shape the, 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 the aerofoil um, and your component is efficient and light. And this can be done two ways. You can have it machined from solid, which is quite costly, especially on the wide diameter and the wide cord product. Or you can actually weld the blade to the root of the disc and create an assembly. And this is what we can do with linear friction welding. In fact, linear friction welding is the only process capable of providing a joint strength sufficiently strong for the component to enter in service. We've had users of this product reporting that the blisk itself was outlasting two to three times the life of the engine they were put in. It's so dependable that uh, people want to use it. So it made its way from military applications uh, to civil engines nowadays. And it's one of the core technology to actually make a jet engine efficient and friendly with the environment. So the engine is lighter, it burns less fuel. How do we get to that is your question. Yes, precisely. So basically we take a blade with a shaped blade foot so that we can hold it without damaging the finished profile and we actually place that um, on a disc a blade at a time and we'll linear friction weld it the, the process of welding lasts two to four seconds and uh, the changeover can be slightly longer than that but basically the, the, the product is is done at a fraction of the time that what it would take to machine it from solid and again the integrity is um, without power mm -hmm. Great. So yeah, so we've talked a lot about the advantages and unique characteristics of friction welding. Um, and I'd like to just mention, you know, of course, every technology isn't the panacea. They all have advantages and disadvantages. So I can assume, I can, I can imagine that in this case, let's say of linear friction welding, you have two components. They're held together in a in a tool, and oftentimes tools are very heavy, right? Multiple tons or fractions maybe of a ton, and um, they are being um, moved past each other to create this frictional heat at you know something like 50 to 70 hertz so um, if I'm a customer and I come to you and say hey Bert can you you know do some friction welding for me on this component what are some of the things that I have to keep in mind because I'm sure it's not just all yeah let's let's just run with it what are, what are some of the things that I have to keep in mind yes you're right linear friction welding is not a dream technology it has a lot of limitation um, the first of the limitation is actually the size of the machine and the capacity of the machine. The machines are built to a certain tonnage, which for any given material transfers into a maximum pressure that that machine can apply to. And uh, this, this, um, this limits the application that you can actually use this machine for. Then it's about the component that you would like to fit on that machine. Some machines are more open than others. Some are dedicated. For example, we just talked about Blisk. Blisk often use dedicated machines. The machine we have at TWI is a process development machine. It is a bit more open, but it also has its limitation. And you were right to mention that we actually have to oscillate a component um, 50 times a second, for example, say. Uh, it can go up to 100, it can be as low as 20 hertz. Um, 
but essentially we're moving the forge sorry we're moving the oscillator ram at frequencies between 20 and 100 times per second and the assembly of the oscillator ram the tooling and the component on our machine is about a third of a ton on larger machines could be an entire ton so that's a hundred push and pull on the oscillation chambers which is hydraulic to actually move a tooling and part assembly up to 100 times per second and control it to the micron scale. This is, these, these machines are designed to be controlled to the micron scale and the positioning is on par or below what people expect from machining. Great, great. So maybe just looking into the future a little bit, I'm just wondering what are some of the things that are on the horizon in the friction welding world? So, for example, I recently heard that it, it's some people working on, you know, trying to take a composite material, which is a resin, a plastic, with, with fibers embedded, and trying to weld those together, which is currently entirely unheard of. So, you know, what, what are some of the technologies that are on the horizon? So we, <laughs> thank you. Um, we've, we've just pioneered this. We've just pioneered the uh, application of linear friction welding for composites by actually inserting a consumable interlayer of, um, say for example, peak. It could be another thermoplastic material um, in between the two sheets. And that, that allows us to actually have a glueless material. Because the process is quick, uh, there is a great deal of interest uh, from the thermoplastic community um, about this. We've also been welding recently some additive manufactured part together. Um, there is a thing about incremental additive manufacturing is that the bigger the part or the the wider the aspect ratio of the part the longer it takes and it also mobilizes a resource at a time so what we've been trying to do is actually fragment the am part into smaller components and weld them together so that we can actually use the bottom part of an am bed and manufacture small components together that we can actually weld and make longer if you want to have a vastly different aspect ratio like a t-joint um, that would take quite a lot of time and mobilize an am machine where with a linear friction welding machine the joint is done within seconds oh wow great so you're basically taking a component breaking it into smaller pieces and then friction welding them together essentially that's it Great. So Bert, um, one last question. So how can listeners find out more about TWI and the world of friction welding? We've got a great website, um, twi-global.com. And uh, there's a lot of resources there. Um, people are more than welcome to have a browse. We've also got a great YouTube channel, TWI Limited, TWI LTD. And uh, you've got a lot of educational videos and if you type linear friction welding on that channel, you will certainly find a lot of videos that explain the process that you're now hearing about. Great. I mean, I can only recommend our listeners go out and learn more about TWI because some of the things that I've seen today in your labs have um, definitely been very much um, eye-opening to me. Um, and I've learned a lot from um, all the things that you've shown me today. So thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Rene. It was great to welcome you. If you'd like to learn more about TWI, then head over to airspaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, 
where we'll find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.